Everybody hates marketers. Well, not everybody, but if you look at Gallup survey from 2020, Americans rate advertising practitioners as only slightly more trustworthy than car salespeople. Come on, that hurts so much. It's because people believe marketers are willing to bend the truth and manipulate people by things that they actually don't want. Modern buyers are skeptical of advertising and marketing more than ever. If we don't acknowledge the incredible amount of skepticism and doubt that we're up against, then chances are we're not going to be able to overcome it because we can't even acknowledge it's there. So, you know, while court may seem like a, a super serious environment, I figured most of us can relate to from like court shows or crime dramas we've seen just the idea that, you know, in a courtroom environment, there's the jury and they don't know what to think. And they're waiting on people to present them a case that helps them decide who to trust. I love this analogy because as marketers, we like to think of ourselves as building a relationship, but in some sense it is. But early on with buyers who are more skeptical of anything that feels way too marketing-y, we have to earn trust. In this Marketing Pops episode, you learn first, the five types of claims that brands make. Second, the three types of evidence to provide compelling evidence for those claims. Third, a brand that's doing a good job of using evidence to prove their claims. And fourth, one power-up that helps Melanie accelerate her career. Before we start, I've created a free power-up cheat sheet that you can download, fill in and apply Melanie's three types of evidence to convince your buyers to trust and purchase from you. You can go to marketingpops.com right now to get it or find that link in the description and show notes. Are you ready? Let's go. Marketing power-ups. Ready? Your host, well, let's start about marketing power-ups, specifically your book, Prove It. Uh, I know that you uh, put this together, and one of the central, uh, you know, piece to it is around how three, you know, you, you say the stats from marketing charts, the three quarters of, of people, they, they have a huge distrust for companies, and you brought up this analogy of, we have to, as marketers, you have to bring evidence to people now. And you, this whole analogy you say is much better than the whole analogy of building a, uh, you know, dating or building a friendship or relationship because people have yeah. this wall. Can, can you share why it's that analogy of the courtroom and bringing yeah. evidence and proof is so, so <laughs> more important nowadays? So I think what I realized is, you know, we talk about relationship building and generally speaking, most of the relationships that we make analogies to, you know, dating a partner or, you know, the new connection, a new friend, it's about people who are equally interested in building that relationship, right? Like you're both invested. And I think what we kind of have to realize is that the the market has really shifted and people are so skeptical. They mm. are, there's so many folks who are trying to rip them off, steal their data, you know, scam them in some kind of way. We see that in our, our spam folder of email and our text inbox, like it's everywhere. So they're not as excited to build a relationship with us as we are with them. And that's sad to think about. Uh, but I think acknowledging that reality of what we're up against, that we're up against this skepticism and doubt and fear that that really shifts the mindset toward, okay, how do I earn that? It's not just about building a relationship. I have to earn the right to build that relationship. I have to earn that trust. It kind of shifts the mindset. And I think that is is a more realistic approach because if we don't acknowledge the incredible amount of skepticism and doubt that we're up against, then chances are we're not going to be able to overcome it because we can't even acknowledge it's there. So, uh, you know, while court may seem like a, a super serious environment, um, I figured most of us can relate to, yeah. you know, generally speaking from like court shows or, you know, 
crime dramas we've seen. Um, just the idea that, you know, in a courtroom environment, there's the jury and they don't know what to think. And they're waiting on people to present them a case that helps them decide who to trust. So to me, that felt like that's something we could relate to. If we think of ourselves like this is a skeptical jury that we have to win over, we have to present our case, we're worthy of trusting, we are bringing the truth to you, uh, that that kind of makes us a little more mission oriented, like we know what we're trying to accomplish. I really like that, you know, whenever somebody brings up how uh, marketing is like dating or marketing is like bring, being friends, I kind of get weirded out because like, <laughs> it's not my wife is my wife, like I, I treat it differently than I treat uh, Apple or mm -hmm. uh, the software tools I use. And yeah. you're right. Like, I think people are more, especially with more and more tools and startups and things like that out there. People are really more like, what is it in it for me, essentially? And how can you prove that right away within a short yeah. period of time? A hundred percent. And I think, you know, there's, I've talked to some folks who are like, well, I don't really, you know, I don't like to think about that. You know, that's like upsetting to think that our audience doesn't like us, doesn't trust us, that they're skeptical. Um, but I think it's honestly, it's it's the reality. Like it's it's better to face it and do something about it. And, you know, too often with marketing, it's really easy for us to just assume that everyone, like like we said, you know, cares about what we're saying, cares about what we're doing. But, you know, when we are in the consumer seat, like when we step away from our desk or outside of the office and we're the consumer, we're skeptical too. It's, you know, it makes sense. It's the logical choice as a consumer to be skeptical and to try to be discerning about who you share your data with and who you do business with. So we can't really hold it against them. You know, it's, it's the natural way of operating in the environment that we're all living in. It totally makes sense. And I think that's a whole central piece to your book. I, I have it right here. I just, I just read it. And for people who are tuning in, uh, definitely go check it out. It's at peoplewhoprovit.com. But you say you share five claim types that brands have to go through uh, to really uh, have evidence for. Can you share those? What are those five uh, claim types that uh, the brands might have? Absolutely. Yeah. So th there's five different claim types. And, you know, there's, I always say, you know, I don't pretend that this is the only system to think about this kind of information. So there are certainly probably other claim types that exist out there. But generally speaking, you know, when I'm working with clients, most of the claims that a business makes fall into these five categories. So hopefully it'll be helpful for you for identifying the claims that you need to prove. So uh, the first one is convenience. Most, uh, you know, a lot of claims, particularly like in the direct B2C space, are about convenience. And that's things like how affordable it is, how easy your product is to use, how fast you can deliver, how easy it is to set up, right? Anything where you're selling like, this is an easy experience. It's, it's not painful to work with us in some way, right? So those are convenience claims where you're making it uh, that it's easy, it's simple, it's fast, things like that. Uh, comparability or comparability claims are the ones that are really pitting you up against some other solution. So this is that we are, uh, you know, we're better, we are more durable, it's higher quality. Um, it's sort of whether you're naming a specific competitor or not, just saying, you know, compared to doing nothing or compared to other options, here's how we, we fare. So those kind of claims you want to back up too, of course, like says who, who says that you're, you know, higher quality True. or more durable, like right. show me. Uh, the next category is commitment. So this is, you know, a lot of times it's commitment to your consumers, which I think we all kind of make in some, in some general sense, we're all saying like, we're committed to delivering results and making you a happy customer. But more often it's like a commitment to a value of some kind. So that would be, 
um, you know, commitment to sustainability or equal pay or any number of, you know, causes or values that are important to you as a company. So those kind of things fall under commitment. Uh, the next one is kind of similar connection claims. So whereas commitment is sort of one directional, like we as a company or me as a brand are committed to sustainability and having a, you know, a smaller carbon footprint. Connection is more bi-directional. This is where that relationship stuff we talked about comes into play. This is where, you know, you're a name, not a number with us, or we care, you know, we're really going to get to know you personally and help come up with a customized solution. And, you know, that people stay with us for a long time. It's the claims related to how deep that connection is with your customers. And then the last category is kind of, this is the basic stuff. This is competence. So competence claims are like, we create results. We do what we say we're going to do. We show up when we say we're going to show up. Uh, we do, you know, our product does what we say it does. So those are the five categories that most of the claims we make as a business come into. Convenience, comparability, commitment, connection, and competence. Those are the five that mm. most often your business is making a claim. It's in one of those five categories. And you're probably making claims in several of those categories. Mm. Before we continue, I want to thank those who made this video possible, 42 Agency. Now, when you're in scale-up mode and you have KPIs to hit, the pressure is on to deliver demos and signups. And it's a lot to handle. Demand gen, email sequences, rev ops, and even more. That's where 42 Agency, founded by my good friend, Camille Rexton, can help you. They're a strategic partner that's helped B2B SaaS companies like ProfitWell, Teamworks, Prod Social, and HubDoc build a predictable revenue engine. If you're looking for performance experts and creatives to solve your marketing problems at a fraction of the cost of in-house, look no further. Go to 42agency.com to talk to a strategist to learn how you can build a high-efficiency revenue engine now. You can find that link in the description below. Let's jump back in. Now, that was my follow-up question. Like, a brand can have... Uh, combination of they can even have all five of them at, at the oh, same yeah. time potentially. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the reality is that most of us can make all of these claims. Um, it's more just about figuring out which ones are most relevant for your business, most relevant to your audience. Because, like, uh, I'll make an example. If you're trying to go get like a much needed medical procedure done, you're probably not super concerned about convenience. Like, you're going to focus more on competence, right? Mm -hmm. And like the connection the doctor will have to you and maybe their outcomes compared to other doctors, but you might not be worried about like, well, how fast can you get me in and out of there? You know, like how, how easy is it to put on my surgery garments? You know, like that's right. not your top concern. Yeah. Um, but then you think about other purchases, you know, if you're looking for, I don't know, foil wrap for your food, like, do you care deeply about how connected they are to you as a company when they provide you tinfoil? Like, probably not. Then it's like really how affordable is it? And does it work better than the brand sitting next to it on the shelf? So you're probably making all kinds of claims and it's just mm. figuring out which ones are going to be most relevant for your situation. That's true. I, what I heard there was like, it. what does your audience care more most about? And I love that example where if I'm getting surgery, I don't want it to be like, oh, I'll do it in 30 seconds. And then I come out like even worse. <laughs> yeah, like the fastest, to... cheapest surgery. <laughs> <laughs> that is the worst uh, uh, marketing for <laughs> surgery, fastest and cheapest. Yeah. Probably the worst uh, uh, come out <laughs> even worse with that. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing all five of that. Now, part of the uh, piece that you brought in the book is that there's three ways to bring evidence. Uh, the brands can bring evidence. How can brands like really prove uh, in what ways can they prove uh, any of these claims that they have? 
Yeah. So um, one thing you'll notice from my first book and from this one, I like a system, I like an acronym, and I like a list, right? right. Let's make it easy. <laughs> Let's make it something you can you can keep track of. Because mm. I think so much of what we do in marketing is very abstract, and it's always, it depends, and there's context. So trying to give us a guide of some kind is is helpful. And kind of if we look at the content that works really well for proving out claims. So you have your list of claims. I know what we're saying. How do I make sure that I'm proving that, not just saying it, but actually you know, proving it? Uh, that content tends to fall into one of three categories. So we see corroboration. So this is, again, coming back to our courtroom analogy here. Um, you always want someone who can corroborate what someone is saying. They back it up. They, they sort of endorse it or agree with it. And that could be an expert, you know, an expert like a a doctor or a researcher or some kind coming in and saying like, yep, that's true. That's exactly what it is. Um, or a witness, someone who has experienced it themselves, who says, yep, I was there and that's what happened. Um, so we can do the same thing with our brand, bringing in quotes or interviews with experts, with witnesses like our customers or our employees uh, and having them kind of add to it. So that it's not just us as a brand saying like, trust us on this. We don't have, we can say, you don't have to take our word for it. You can take their word for it, these experts and these witnesses. Um, but, you know, you can also look toward other types of, of proof that work well too. And, and another one is demonstration. So demonstration is the, you don't have to take our word for it. You could see for yourself. So that's where we're going to sort of tell in-depth stories that help someone understand. Yeah. And then uh, or document it, you know, maybe show it in real time. If you're saying that your product works faster, like Show me the side by side. Let me see how, you know, this is, you know, infomercials are really great at this, right? Uh, at the demonstration, they'll show you mm. side by side, like, here's the two things and like, look how much our product, yeah, before right. and after, or we got out all of these stains and the stains didn't come mm. out of this other brand for our soap, you know? So it's a, a way for you to really bring the evidence that the audience can see and kind of make their own judgment. Again, in court showing like, you see what would happen if we did a blood splatter like this or like look at the print that this shoe makes. They're showing you so you could see it yourself, right? And then that last, the last category, so the, the third type of content that works really well in addition to corroborating and demonstrating is educational content. And the reality for educational content is understanding that for a lot of us, we're playing a little bit of like inside baseball. Like we understand what we're talking about, but our audience may not. You know, it's difficult to explain to an audience member uh, why, you know, the parts per million of a particular element in your in your, uh, you know, ingredients is important if they don't understand the chemical makeup of our products and why that matters. Right. So we need to kind of give them more information and teach them about it so that they can make a more educated, uh, you know, understanding and, and come to that decision of truth that like, OK, these guys know what they're talking about. So that's that reminder that sometimes before we can get to the corroboration and the demonstration, we need to preface that with some educational content to kind of get them up to speed. This so it, I I still I keep thinking about a courtroom again. All these things are so so uh, really well done. Um, all of them sound so. I've been thinking a lot about demonstration as well. How the whole product led try before you buy kind of situation is uh, really fitting into there where. You know, we're making these claims, like, mm -hmm. try it, like, try it, like, yep. prove it for yourselves, uh, exactly. to see for yourselves. Really, really fascinating. Yeah. In terms of a brand that does this, any of this, uh, pr proving it really well, is this something that w one that comes to mind? I know you brought up a ton of examples in the book uh, yeah. and how you they can prove, they've proven their, their claims. 
Is there one that for you that really stands out as a brand that has done a good job of proving it? Yeah, it's it's always tough to pick one because, you're, like you said, I I, I went sort of on imagine. a deep yeah I went like on a deep dive <laughs> and I feel like I I got to know a lot of brands really well. But um, one that most folks can probably relate to most is Apple. Um, so Apple does a really good job of particularly like demonstration. So when you see an Apple commercial and they say, you know, they're not just saying our camera has 12 megapixels and that means that blah, blah, blah. They're showing you side by side, like here's here's a photo taken with ours and here's a photo taken with a different camera. Or look at how crisp this photo we took, you know, taken with iPhone. They had that whole uh, awesome campaign. It was billboards and other large format ads that were photos taken on an iPhone, like not retouched, not anything, just your iPhone can take photos that are this good, right? So really demonstrating, um, you know, showing like this is exactly, you know, what you're going to get with us, a real like see for yourself kind of thing. Um, But they've also done a good job of education. So um, those of us who have have been around for a while will remember the um, I'm a Mac, I'm a PC series of commercials, (laughs) right? From like the early 2000s, late 90s, I think. Um, where they really were doing a lot of education. It was joking that we had one character representing Macs and one character representing PCs, and they sort of had this playful banter. But through that process, they were bantering about things like virus detection and, you know, compatibility and, uh, you know, storage and things like that. So they were teaching us, but through entertainment as well, to nice. help us understand, okay, if I, it sounds like if I get a Mac instead of a PC, I don't have to worry as much about viruses and malware because they, you know, protect better against that. So again, educating, not just saying like, hey, ours is safer, but like really going in detail and saying, here's why it's safer, here's what that means and why it's important. It's fascinating. There was also, I remember uh, an ad they did, a video ad, where it was all shot in iPhone, where like, oh, wow, this looks like a professional video. You're right. They're yeah. doing like a good job of like showing off like, oh, this is a professional quality video camera on a phone. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, they use a lot of the other types of evidence too as well. And they're proving different types of claims. I think uh, the camera ones, I think, are most visceral because it's really the actual like see it with your own eyes right it's really that documentation that we're talking about and um it can be really powerful you know they always say a picture is worth a thousand words so um if they're coming out with a visual campaign like that it certainly can go a long way toward helping you understand the value of that device you're about to purchase that's so true and i think that as another important point is like uh you it's good to use all three of this evidence types at the same time. I think that kind of builds yeah. a better case. Like you're trying to prove, uh, I'm not, I'm, I'm watching a lot of murder dramas right now. So like, it's trying <laughs> to prove that, uh, yeah. yeah, it's, it's true. Like your, your, yeah. your core is right. Is what I'm hearing. Exactly. Yeah. So in, that's, again, I think it's like, it's familiar to most of us. So it's easy to think about, you know, we've all seen the episode of the court drama where there's only one witness and it's he said, she said. So we got to bring in other types of evidence or, you know, okay, well, you're telling a story, but, you know, anyone could say that. Let me see it. Show me the map. Show me the photos of the scene, right? Where we can kind of understand how one single type of evidence or one single piece, like maybe one article or one blog post, one photo from Apple may not be enough to help them understand, to get them all the way to trusting. So this is really, this whole prove it process is less about making one specific type of claim and proving it with one specific type of evidence and really more about thinking about all the content and all the communication you do through this lens of like, am I proving it? And if I'm proving right. it, what type of claim am I proving? Or what claim are we making here? And how could we prove it? You know, so it's really more of a, a mindset shift to say, 
every single day that we wake up and we sit down at our desks as marketers, we're sitting down in the courtroom and it's our job to prove to our audience that we are who we say we are and we do what we say we do. I love that. That's a really great uh, a sum- summary of, uh, of that uh, segment of this. I want to shift gears now and talk about careers. Uh, you've been in marketing for a decade. You were uh, one, one of the first e- uh, editor of content brand at uh, New York Times. Yeah, New York Times. And now you're a co-founder at a startup, The Convoy and VP of Marketing there. Long uh, career. What's really helped you uh, accelerate your career? What's a power-up in your career that's helped you, whether it's you know meeting the right people or you know finding the right thing? What's a, what's a career power-up yeah. for you that's helped you? I don't, I don't know if this quite is the answer that you're looking for, but um, for me, I think it's all about curiosity. Like a good amount of the jobs that I've taken or the projects I've worked on, I wasn't actually positive in the beginning that I could do it or that I knew enough to do it, but I understood that I'm curious enough to learn what I need to learn. So, you know, working with uh, the convoy, for example, we're building technology that helps small businesses save money on their business expenses. I don't have a technology background and I don't, you know, I'm, I am a small business, but I've never created, you know, technology for small businesses. But I know that I could talk to enough customers to understand their needs that it would fill those gaps for me. And when I look back to like major transitions, major projects, major things that I've worked on, it's always that same mindset of like, okay, I acknowledge that there are some gaps here, but I know that I am curious enough to seek out the information to fill those gaps. And I think that's really, for me, that's, I think that's like a, a cheat code, right? Because if you're only going for the things that you're 100% ready for, you're going to miss out on a lot of opportunities. And if you know yourself and you know your dedication enough to know that I'll take a class on Skillshare, I'll watch 40 hours of YouTube videos, I'll read every tutorial, like I'll learn, I can learn how to, do, how to fill those gaps. Um, it allows you to kind of level up in a different way. Mm, that's so good. I mean, you can tie it back to the courtroom where if you're a detective, <laughs> there you go. that's I a good job, it. right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I like it. <laughs> it's so good. It fits right in. Uh, one other question I, I love asking is around an advice you'd give your younger self. Like if you can travel back in time to Melanie, who's just starting out in marketing <laughs> and jour- uh, journalism, yeah. what, what advice would you give that younger version of Melanie? So I've got two, I think. Uh, one would be uh, dress how you want to dress. And I know that sounds really simple, but I think for, I mean, for me, especially when I was moving from journalism into business, I had this like idea in my head of like what a, a business person wears and like looks like, you know what I mean? Like right. I was like, oh, I got to get blazers. I got to wear, I got to wear high heels. I got to be like in a, I need a briefcase. Like, and I think I look back and I'm like, I think I was cosplaying as like an adult <laughs> business person, you know, like it looked, it, it looked fine at the time, you know, I think I'm sure it was fine, but I wish that I had had more confidence to just come in the way that I was and kind of own, you know, my own, my own style, my own identity with confidence rather than feeling like I kind of have to like dress up as what people expect. Because the reality is as a 20 something female in a lot of those rooms, I was going to be out of place no matter what. I was going to walk into a room with a bunch of 50-year-old white dudes. Like, that was just the reality. So I might as well have just owned it instead of trying to, you know, dress up like something I was never going to be, you know? Um, And the other one is related, but charge more. Charge more. Whatever you think you're worth, you're worth more. Um, And it comes from, uh, again, a place of, like, imposter syndrome or Mm. insecurity or feeling like you're new and, like, who am I to, to do this? Like, 
you're missing out. You're missing out by not asking. You can only get what you ask for. So good. I like the whole cosplay. I'm not thinking about like a Comic Con. <laughs> that's. Like, I mean, that's how I look back and I'm like, what was I doing? Like, <laughs> just like. <laughs> I don't know shoulder pads like oh man yeah. it was it was not good. <laughs> yeah, no, I remember I would like come into the office with a tie like a- yeah. <laughs> I, I think the other thing with charging more, I, I don't know, maybe I'm, I keep tying back to this courtroom. It's like if you provide more cor- uh, evidence, you probably can charge more. I think the more uh, yeah. that you build up, like uh, you know, corroboration and demonstration and all the evidence like you really have uh you, sh- you should be charging more as you provide more evidence it's yeah really ties back to that 100 percent. and i i think that that's probably a big part of especially when folks are starting out they feel like well i don't have the big brand names on my website you know i don't have test you know 25 testimonials they may not feel like you have enough of that evidence yet and so looking for whatever type of evidence you can provide like you you do this work because you're good at it is the assumption right so who have you provided work for? Even if it's not a client, do you have a coworker who can attest, you know, a former boss who can leave a testimonial of how great your copy mm. is or how creative your ideas mm. are? Like find those ways that you can bring the evidence into it because you just have to do it a little unconventionally until you're able to get those more like conventional testimonials, the big brand logos and things, you know? Makes sense. I think the other thing to proving it, especially when it comes to imposter syndrome, I ask a few folks, uh, especially in marketing around this is, Sometimes we have to prove it to ourselves too. Like it's a, it's more like a confidence issue where having like a, a win folder or a celebration yeah. box with all yeah. the things that have, people have told about you kind of builds up that confidence to to charge more and to take more risk and to step forward yeah. rather than staying where you're at. A hundred percent. Yeah, I've I've done, um, and I think this particularly affects like. Um, young people who are entering a field, people who are maybe later in their careers and transitioning industries, um, you know, women and people of color who are often, you know, underestimated and, and undervalued in these different spaces. Um, it can be really helpful to have some sort of reminder, like, I mean, come back to the proof, like, where's the documentation, you know, print out the really complimentary mm. email. Um, you know, this sounds silly. I have uh, uh, behind me on my desk, if anyone's just listening, I have several uh, awards over here that are just here. Yes. Now, they're from a long time ago, but those are my reminder when I sit down at this desk that I'm good at what I do and that I can provide value to my customers, right? And I have that visual reminder like don't don't underestimate yourself. Like, look, you've done you've done good things. So like, you know, yeah, hang the badge from the conference that you went to, you know, print out the complimentary email, uh, put a post-it note with the name of every person who's supported you and rooted for you. You know, give yourself that visual reminder because yeah, sometimes we forget that we've got evidence, you know, of our own awesomeness. That's so good. I I, I was talking to Jake Jake House around this. Like his yeah. his career power up is around belief, like believing yourself and believing in others. I think having all those like awards up on the wall and printed emails like kind of makes once again prove prove. I keep going back to proving it, prove it, but proving it to yourself. <laughs> you're proving yeah. it to yourself. You're proving it to others. Really Absolutely, yeah. I think if you can be your own. Um, you know, you're the first judge, I guess, if we're bringing it back, right? First like judge, you're the first nice. judge that you have to win over. Um, but that's that that is really a power up, right? If you can mm-hmm. just believe your believe in yourself and understand that the proof that you're looking for of your own greenness is may not be the traditional things. Like you don't have to have a diploma hanging on the wall. You don't have to have a trophy or an award. Like it could be, like we said, those awesome emails that you get from clients who are happy with your work. It could be the endorsement on LinkedIn from someone that you really respect. Mm. It could be the letter of recommendation that someone wrote for you 10 years ago 
that, you know, makes you feel really proud of the impression you made. Like whatever it is, there are people rooting for you that can remind you of your own awesomeness as you're you're going into whatever challenge is next. This brings up this point that this this book can be applied to uh, to, p- to people as a career. Like if you see yourself as a brand, as a personal brand, um, oh, yeah. you can get your claim, t- claim types and and get all those evidence. And now you can ask for that race. Yeah. <laughs> get a get the job you want. Hell, like get get a, a client and charge more. I think that's a really yeah. takeaway from this is this book can be applied to to their own careers. It's a hundred percent. And if you think about like, if you and I are both going in to ask for a raise and I come in and just say, hello, I would like more money, please. And you come in and you say, here's my last three, you know, reviews that I had. They're all positive. They're all 4.5 right. out of five or above. Here's this like awesome, you know, remember when I saved this account and I, you know, had this great <laughs> client, you know, relationship right. and you bring that evidence it's a lot harder to say no to you because you've brought the proof. Like I deserve this raise and here's all the evidence, you know, put forth. Um, somebody who's just rolling in like, hello, I would like more money. Like that's much easier <laughs> to dismiss because why on earth do I need more? You know, uh, I think it's, uh, you can use this in your personal life, you know, to kind of earn trust back from people you may have like, you know, disappointed or something uh, to like reconnect old relationships where, you know, you need to kind of prove uh, that you can be valuable to their life and vice versa. Uh, you could do this, I mean, yeah, to get the house that you want, to get the job that you nice. want. It's it's really something that kind of taps into our deep our deep subconscious about, about trust and, and who we can open up to. Hope you found this conversation as insightful as I did. I love how Melanie used her background in journalism to help marketers build trust with people and prove the claims they're making. You can find out more about Melanie's book, Prove It, by going to peoplewhoproveit.com and follow Melanie on LinkedIn and Twitter. You can find all of those links in the show notes and description. Thanks to Melanie for being on the show. If you enjoyed this episode, you'd love the Marketing Power-Ups newsletter. I share the actionable takeaways and break down the frameworks of world-class marketers. You can go to marketingpowerups.com to subscribe and you'll instantly unlock the three best frameworks that top marketers use to hit their KPIs consistently and wow their colleagues. I want to say thank you to you for listening and please like and follow Marketing Power Ups on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. If you're feeling extra generous, kind of leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and leave a comment on YouTube. It goes a long way in others finding out about Marketing Power Ups. Thanks to Mary Sullivan for creating the artwork and design and thank you to Faisal Kaigo for editing the intro video. And of course, thank you for listening. That's all for now. Have a powered update. Marketing power-ups. Until the next episode.